Welcome to the Mel Hubbard Podcast, episode 62. I'm Mel, I'm here with Alice and Elle. Hello. Hi, Mel. Welcome to you. <laughs> Welcome to you too. What have you been doing? I went to see Devin Townsend last week. I thought you might say that, because it says that right here on the schedule I wrote. But that's what I did. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a normal Devin Townsend show, though, was it? It wasn't. Which is saying a lot, because it's Devin Townsend. I mean, there isn't really a normal Devin Townsend show, is there? Like, every show is weird in some way like yeah. he played the Royal Albert Hall he played the Roundhouse and had uh, like a dancing vagina he's played with the giant hamburger before <laughs> like, so the first thing you say not like musicality or the rest of it. <laughs> no, I'm dancing just saying, funny I'm just saying that he always does something a bit different it always feels yes. like an event like event shows and got these tickets ages ago and kind of just went that'll be nice in April and sort of forgot about it and there are acoustic shows bought tickets yes see dedication we buy our tickets here. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. So, um, anyway, I knew it was going to be an acoustic show. He played two nights at Bush Hall in London. Bush Hall is like a former concert hall. It's really cool. It's kind of like... It feels quite intimate. I'm not sure what the capacity is. Someone Google it. And it's no. got... It's got like... It just got, it's got that old Let's just call hall. it 12. Okay. It's got that old music hall feeling where... It's kind of a bit mm, regal and old school and has a stage at the front and sort of the walls are a bit ornate and kind of have mirrors hanging on them and that sort of thing. It's cool. And he was doing two shows there and I went to the first night. And he did a few things that were unexpected. I thought he would kind of stay, stand there and play through some of his songs acoustically, which he did. But I didn't realise there were also fan Q&As. So they've taken questions. Oh, really? They've taken questions and... Devin Townsend fans uh, giving an open was, forum with Devin. It was a little bit scary. I dread to think. <laughs> it was a little bit scary. The first time... His fans show, aren't here to play. They are like serious fans. No, I know. So there was one... He did... He kind of... You know what Devin's like. He's very self-effacing. So a lot of the time he would start a song and then he would like put himself down in the middle of it and kind of go, oh, like... I forgot that bit or I'm doing a chorus or he kind of make remarks so it's almost like he couldn't just play a song he had to say things to sort of break his nervous tension in the middle of each song so it was quite it was very Devon it was quite unusual in that sense of you know a normal acoustic show so I'll just talk about the beginning um Funeral's brilliant he played Funeral Third from Ocean Machine and um I love that record anyway and I thought that was brilliant uh Love the Strapping Young Lad song, he played that acoustically, which I loved. Really? Because it's got a great melody, hasn't it? Um, ER, that kind of lends itself, as Devon Townsend project, project song, kind of lends itself more to the acoustic treatment. Um, Hyperdrive, again, you're like, Hyperdrive. I know, but it's great though. Uh, Thing Beyond Things, which again is, you would expect it acoustically. So there's kind of a mixture of stuff you could see how it would translate, and then stuff that has just got a good melody that he's able to do acoustically, because his songs are very well written mm. so after he played 11 songs he did the first Q&A then there was an interval and yeah the Q&A was a bit mental there were people shouting things out um, I can't remember why he started talking about it but at one point he started talking about the Antiques Roadshow and how in the UK <laughs> it's um, they talk about stuff from like the 1200s or something and in Canada the stuff is like you know 20 years old from like 1973 or something <laughs> you know, all the stuff is not as old and then someone in the audience shouted out I've applied to be on the Antiques Roadshow and so that was really mental it sounds horrible and then, <laughs> absolutely uh, no I can't it's not my vibe at all that kind of thing someone else just brought, people shouting shit 
Someone else had brought, oh, what was it? It was like this, they called it an automaton, but it's not what I thought of as an automaton. Maybe I'm stupid because I don't know what it is. It was like, it was like. Do you ever consider that out? Maybe you're just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it was like this quaver, as in like the notes are quaver, not like yeah. a crisp. I thought it was a crisp. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, it was like made of plastic and it made noises. And I should have Googled this before it came in because I don't know what the fuck it was. And they called it an automaton. And I've never heard of that. So Devon no. was like, oh, I've always wanted one of these. And this woman in the crowd was like, oh, I've got two. So she took one up and gave one to him. What, she just had one with her? Yeah. So he had this musical note that kind of made noises as well. Um, but yeah, people were just shouting stuff all over the place. And to Devon's credit, his answers were entertaining because a lot of those questions were either mental or dry. So it was either like, you know, what did you mean by this part of the song or this lyric? Or it was like... I'm crazy, here's something weird. Yeah, they're um, a funny atmosphere, those kind of things, aren't yeah. they? Because especially with someone like Devin, who's always very open and stuff, you, people feel such an affinity with him. Like, yeah. you really feel like he puts so much of himself out there as well. He doesn't really keep much under wraps, Devin. And no. so you kind of feel like you know him. That's um, the thing. So I, I can imagine it must have been a bit of a bit uh, intense I, at points, I guess. Also, I spoke to him before the show, and um, I was surprised. I mean, in retrospect, should not have been surprised, but he said he was suffering from burnout because obviously he's put everything into the last record, Empath. It's his first kind of proper solo record. Well, he did stuff in the early days, but, you know, since doing the Devon Townsend Project, and it's exceptionally overwhelming as a record. There are so many parts. It's very multi-layered, and he's put everything into it and also had a midlife crisis, and he said he's feeling burned out. So then to have to get up and answer fan questions in that kind of atmosphere must be exceptionally draining. So I kind of felt for him in a sense because it was, first of all, it's like, hey, Devin, I'm just going to bother you for a while by talking to you and asking you some questions. He was obviously very nice, but, you know, and then he has to go out to a hall full of people who are all sort of wanting something from him. So he was very good. He was very entertaining, very comedic, very good sportsman, I guess you would say, because I think, I can't imagine what it's kind of like to be in a room full of, Obsessives. Mm. I've not had that experience. Apart from, you know, obviously being in the office with you, Merlin, and, you know... <laughs> Cheers! You being, you being my best friend and all that. And Great. Cool. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it was... And you can hear uh, that chat that Elle was just talking about with Devin, which she uh, totally undersold uh, <laughs> in a very cool upcoming project that we're launching soon. <laughs> it's really good. I didn't mean to undersell it. I was just, you know, mentioning it casually. It's fine. It was a really good chat. Um... He there was, we go. He was very honest. Um, he's again. He's one of those artists, like you said, Merlin, that puts everything out there. He was very honest in his answers and he was very open. So it's interesting to hear human to human another human being honest about human things. Awesome. So there was a, there was an interval, and then he came back and um, played a couple of songs, then did a Q and A, and then ended on life. So. I was not expecting that. I thought he would come back and play some more songs and then to play two and then do a Q&A and then one song. It was... I how, found how this a little bit tiring. <laughs> when it was like advertised? What was it built? Like an audience with Devin or Devin Townsend? it was like an evening with Devin Townsend. Right, okay. So it does make sense. I think I just hadn't quite grasped that there was such a large No, I, I thought it was just an acoustic thing when, you, when you were going. And I think, I think that's a cool thing to do because he has the last few times he's played here he has done kind of big Devin Townsend project shows that have had all the bells and whistles and for somebody again who does put himself out there he's very open about his creative process who is now 
being a solo artist I think this is a really cool thing to do for him to kind of tour around on his own and you know play these songs from his career in front of his fans it's a really cool thing to do but I'm kind of looking forward to him coming back and doing a show yeah because I like hearing the music (laughs) and I also like the shows that he does where there's always that element of production that is like what the fuck is going on so it I had a good time but I didn't like love it love it it was just kind of like yeah this is cool and like I said I did almost feel a little bit my heart sort of went out a little bit to him I was like oh you probably just need to like he said it actually in the interview after the interview had happened I think he's put on Twitter he went away to Cyprus for a week on a retreat and he just did a kind of like you know yoga type relaxation retreats but then he said uh it got a bit much and he had to get a taxi out of there down to the beach because I think he's probably you know that was that was a little bit much as well. So taxi. I don't know why it's something really funny about it being a taxi. Let's just get a taxi to the beach. But yeah, I think I, I wish him rest. I hope you know he enjoys the rest of the tour and gets a good rest. I was going to say I wish him rest at the very start of this workout multi-year <laughs> album cycle. He's just about to embark on. Fair um, and I'm looking for. I think it's November. They're coming back and doing the big big show. So awesome. looking forward to that. And before that, you'll hear Elle's ch- chat with Devin, as I said, on a very cool new uh, project we are launching imminently. Um, shall we talk about this fucking <laughs> Icelandic Eurovision entry? I feel yes. like we have to. You, I feel like you're trying not to pronounce it. No, Hatari. Um, or Hatari. And what's the song called? Uh, well, there's an accent over the O that's like a cross thing, so I don't know what that is. Hatari Omen Sigra. We'll go with that. That's probably right, isn't it? We'll go with that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... <laughs> so, yeah, there always seems to be at least one kind of tenuous excuse for metal fans to have an interest in Eurovision every year. I think that was a really rocky one last year. I can't remember what one that was. Uh, but this year, Iceland have put out um, an industrial metal track yeah, for their Eurovision like, entry. Sort of like Combi Christ. And sort of like Combi Christ. And there's a lot, in the hell. video, there's kind of a lot of like uh, leather restraints and bondage gear and... I have heard it actually and it is, it is heavy and yeah, that video is pretty... The video, go and watch the video because it's really... It is a proper cool. industrial thing, it's not like... There's like, like a man who's being carried on a chair over a snowy landscape by people in gimp masks <laughs> and then shit I mean, goes down. <laughs> so... Where'd you go from there? Where do you go? You go on Eurovision, that's where. I'd like to see how they're going to do this live. Is he going to get carried in a chair by people in gym masks in yes. front of the whole so. of That'd be Eurovision? Good, it? I, I, I mean, Eurovision's one of those things where it's like... I think if you... if it, oh, I don't know. I have to be pretty pissed to enjoy it, to be honest. I always love it. <laughs> I always love it because you get so many surprises. I hate the ballads. Like, whenever a country yeah, comes that's what I mean. it's like, ugh. It's like, it's you kind know of, what you're going to get. For that one bit of something really eccentric and brilliant and uniquely European that pops up and you're like, this is mental, what is this? This is amazing. There's, like, five things of, like, really cheesy and overwrought, like, oh. But these guys are in harnesses smeared in blood and I'm here for it. Do you actually like the song, like, genuinely? Because it, is, it isn't just kind of like, oh, it's, it's got, like, one kind of electronic drum machine moment in it like it's a proper industrial metal track I quite like it I think I like the video and the experience more because it was sort of, <laughs> again it's a surprise element it's like this is a Eurovision entry and that makes it a novelty um, probably have to listen to the song again to know how I really feel about it Fair. I was just um, kind of like yeah this is 
Did you see? I was experiencing the whole thing. Oh, was it you that showed me the the interview they did as well? That weird yeah, interview. Yeah. So they are being interviewed on some kind of TV program in in Iceland, and they are sitting side by side. I'm not actually sure. I haven't looked into the background of these guys. I don't know if they're friends or if they're related or what. We should probably find that out. But the two main guys... Talk for long enough and they won't know if I'm Googling it. The the two guys are sitting next to each other being interviewed by these conventional people on a couch. And one of them is talking... When they get asked a question, one of the guys whispers in the other one's ear and then the other one kind of answers. And they put their arms up in this weird, like, sort of salute thing, like, at a right angle... So they have this kind of off-stage persona thing that they're doing as well of sort of industrial weirdos. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not. They're not brothers. They just got two guys. They it's a trio pretty, whose names yeah. I'm not even going to attempt to say. Well, Clemens, Matthias, and Ina. That, that was fine. Well done. Yeah, but it's the rest of them that's. These guys in the room. It's three guys in the game. Missing a vowel for the first. Matthias Haroldson. What an amazing name. Metal as fuck. So metal. Uh, Hate Will Prevail is one of their lyrics at the end. Hate Will Prevail. Great lyric. Well, you can (laughs) go onto the Metal Hammer website right now to listen to the song and find out if it will tempt you to watch 16 hours of Eurovision. Well, I don't know. Have they got three? I don't know if they were just in the heats or if they've got three. Oh, God, it's not even the main thing yet. No, that's the thing. But if they. Well, let's all get behind them. Can you vote for the semis as well? Yeah, I think so. I think you can do all of it. But. Personally, I try not to watch any of them before the main contest because I like it not to be ruined for me. And you don't want to get disappointed if your favourite doesn't get yeah, through. Yeah, but I heard about this one and we watched it and I, you know, I want them to get through and I want to vote for them and I want them to win. Isn't it all a stitch up anyway? No. Like, all well, certain I countries mean, yeah. vote for each other, don't they, all the time? Yeah, because basically you've got, the, you've got a public vote. Like, England doesn't get votes got... anymore because no, of Brexit. They <laughs> <laughs> exactly, they Sake. were all haters. I want Iceland to win. And also, I'd like to go and watch it one day, and I'd like to go to Iceland and watch it, because Iceland's cool. Cool. Mm. I would... If I was in Iceland, I would not spend <laughs> one night of my stay there at Eurovision. That's but what whatever I, works for you. I've already been there, so I've seen the main sights, and now it's time to watch Eurovision. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, in legitimate uh, industrial metal news, another new Ramstein song? Yeah. Both heard it? Yeah. yeah. What do we think of radio? Actually, Alice let something slip in the office just before we came in. Yeah, I didn't you dropped realize. a bombshell. Go on, Alice. I don't like Ramstein. <laughs> so is there any point asking you what you even think of radio? Um, probably not. I wasn't impressed. I thought it was going to be different. Can we ask why you don't like Ramstein? I don't know. Just never, never liked them. Never got into them. Do you, do you have any kind of interest in the show? Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them live just because, you know, experience and all that. But I find them really... It certainly is. <laughs> I find them really repetitive and just, like, samey and... Hands up if boring. you think we should put Alice in the cooking pot instead of flacker. We both put hands up. <laughs> They'll never know. Uh, well, fine. Um, well, what do you think, Al? Right, I think... This one and Deutschland, if I'm being honest, I like the videos more than I like the songs. I I think the songs are fine, and I think, yeah, this is decent and solid, but it's not one that's made me go, fuck me, like, the controversy of pussy, or, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, the big ones that came out, and you're like, fuck, that's a great song. I'm just struggling a little bit, because... Like, everything off Mutter... Yeah, my entire yeah. America. 
yeah, I just, I want to be a bit more surprised and maybe that makes me sound like a spoiled brat because the videos are incredible and they really match the message of each song. But I think when we spoke to Radio Einstein, has a, a lady um, breastfeeding humping, a radio. And humping it as well. Yeah. She's having sex with it and giving it life. <laughs> wow. <sighs> I thought that was cool in the video when she was breastfeeding radio. I was like, this is what I want from Ramstein. I didn't know what the I didn't know what was going on. I'm sure there was a message there, but I was like, oh, there's a lady with a receiver on her bap. What's this mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know what was happening. That's what I want from Ramstein, though. I want to be surprised. I want a woman breastfeeding a radio. I think it's probably a metaphor, isn't it? Because. Again, I, do, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you don't know is that every night after work, I just go home, get on my yeah. DAB, get, get on my have a little relax. It's time, little one. <laughs> <laughs> I like to I like to turn it onto you know a rock station. I'm just not smooth know. jazz. This conversation is getting weird. Um, so that's the power of Ramstein. But yeah, I want to be. I want weird things like that to happen and people have sort of talked about the lyrics and I can speak German and all that but it seems to be that it's about uh, what it was like listening to western rock music when people were behind the Iron Curtain so it's almost like this thing about radio giving life to people and giving people an outside line to this other Interesting. kind of world and so I think that's where all these kind of metaphorical things are coming from about so the radio very, um, can... deep in their own history and stuff isn't it this, yeah this, this record seems to be really addressing where they've come from and how their identity has been formed and how the identity of their homeland has been formed so that's why these videos are so interesting to me because they're telling this story and um, it's fascinating because there are so many layers and as we spoke about in the Ramstein issue with Ramstein lyrics there's so much more in there than we realise as English speakers. So not only are they dressing their national identity, I'm sure there'd be loads of plays on words in the lyrics that take things even deeper. And again, if you're if you know your German history, you're probably going to get more out of that. So I'm really won over by these two videos. I wish the songs had a bit more experimentation because when I spoke to them a couple of years ago, they did say maybe they were looking at getting other people involved and they might take it in a different direction. And I kind of wanted to be hit with something that made me go what the fuck have they done yeah. but in terms of their concepts their visuals their message like I'm down with it it's super interesting yeah and people are, are doing you know I mean we are here even doing these big deep dives on these songs and analysing them and dissecting them and it's, it's just it's really cool to have a band around that are as big as they are where people still have that much vested interest but I definitely agree I think the songs are okay um, I like Deutschland a lot more than I did um, and, and I, it, could, it feels like it's going to be a massive live track like the intro is just made for yeah. the start of a set isn't it you can even kind of visualise where the pyro is going to kick off and all that kind of stuff um, radio uh, yeah it's alright it's okay I think I like the bleepy bit from uh, Flacco at the beginning I was like that's nice <laughs> yeah he loves a bit of that but yeah it's just it's just quite the song's quite normal musically for Ramstein which is weird given the lyrical visual content yeah agreed mm. so two C's and a standard F from Alice <laughs> <laughs> so ratings uh, Aussie's reschedule is tour dates which is great not until next year well, I'll give you something to look forward to in 2020. I know. Well, it's not just because I'm impatient to see Ozzy and also Judas Priest who are on the dates again as well because I still haven't seen him on this last album. Um, 
just scares me that we're going, oh, this is something we're doing in 2020. 2020? I'm literally about to say the same thing. How can it be 2020? Two 20s side by I'm side. I'm not ready for 20 my... 20 years. Oh. 20 years into this entire century. I'm not ready for all my favourite new metal albums to be turning 20. I'm scared. I'm just not ready. I'm scared. But we'll be there. So looking forward to that. And North Lane are back. Hooray! Ah. I just looked straight at L then to just give us all the info because you love them. All I did yesterday was go, ah, the new North Lane thing's happening. Yeah, by the time I'd even heard that they were back, I'd have listened to the comeback single. Well, it's not comeback single. The new single, like, 50 times already or something. Yeah. Tell us all about it, L. What's going on? So, I am here for this North Lane song. We covered them on the last album, which was super cool. And if you've not heard them before... They are a melodic metal band, and I don't want to say tech metal in case you get the say wrong idea. Jen. I don't want to say it in case you get the wrong <laughs> right idea because they don't sound like that, but there's an obvious influence of that in there. They're from Australia, they're on Unified, so if you know that label, you probably know a little bit about what sort of bands they sign. And they got a new singer, Marcus Bridge, on the last record, so it was his first time out with them, and I think now you can tell he's really bedded in and found his place. So in a feature that we did with them, we spoke to Marcus a little bit about his past. And I think this new single is him really digging into some of that stuff and being really confident about singing about it. And I don't... I mean, it's trauma, isn't it? I don't want to say airing is trauma, but that's kind of what it is. It's quite, um, it's quite overwhelming, really. Uh, he spoke to us about what his childhood was like and how his dad was a drug addict and he had to grow up in this kind of situation where these guys kind of came into their house one time uh, because of his dad and he was sort of taken to these different places and kind of met these shady characters and his parents sort of had this on-off difficult relationship and um, his dad died. So it's really heavy stuff that he's grown up with and I think if you look at the lyrics of the new song you can see that he's very likely talking about his relationship with his father and how that has affected him in the present day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really heavy song. It reminds me a lot of Corn. Um, yeah, I heard that definitely. Really sonically of Corn, but also in that heavy subject matter. And it really, it just really goes for it. It's a heavy song. It doesn't pull any punches. It's very confident, and you can tell it's a single. You know, it's. It's a hard-hitting one, and I think it's really good. And I think it just shows this confidence that they've built up over the last few years. So I think it's a really exciting time for them now. I know what you mean about not wanting to just make the obvious tech metal connection as well, because I think if you had no prior knowledge and you heard that song for the first time, you probably, you wouldn't think like, oh, this is from like that Genty generation not of fans. It's definitely... Not at all. It's just some modern metal, isn't it, really? It's I don't modern know metal, it. yeah. I mean, they've obviously been sort of around that scene and around some of those bands and they've obviously been influenced by kind of you know those sort of bands and with sugar and that kind of thing but equally by the new metal bands and yeah if you heard this song as a standalone track you wouldn't even think about it being anything to do with tech metal it's just a really strong modern metal song that really is just big it's just a massive confident modern song and I think it's a really strong song to come back with in the run-up to a new record. I really rate it. Super. Bloody super. Um, shall we take some... Oh, it's called Bloodline. Not sure if we said. So go oh, check it go. out. 
Yeah, the album Alien out in August via Unified, single is Bloodline, out to listen to right now. So there you go. Mm. Uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer Readers is where you come to if you want to talk to us directly and ask us loads of shit about the magazine and this here podcast we're on right now. Um, we've been asked this one before, uh, I think, but I think because Alice is here now, we can ask her specifically. So Let's do that. What's everyone's favourite bands and artists outside of rock and metal? This is quite I guess we're at a top, so like, <laughs> I, I, whatever's about to come out is really against your brand. <laughs> I think it's really hard because a lot of stuff I'd still consider rock. Like even well, let's say like stuff like, that we wouldn't put in Metal Hammer then. There's loads that I listen to that we wouldn't put in Metal Hammer, to be honest. Like, I'm really into psychedelic rock and 60s stuff. And um, How did you get into all that kind of stuff? It's not the kind of stuff that's just around and easy to fall into. I was just always, I guess, through like classic rock when I was younger, when I was like a kid, got into like Led Zeppelin and Free and Cream, and then just went through down like a rabbit hole of like psychedelic rock, basically. Um, what kind of stuff? Because I've got no idea when it comes to that um, side of rock music. Jefferson Airplane. Airplane, not aeroplane, airplane. airplane. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just, uh, oh God, um, 13th floor elevators, they're good. No idea. 13th floor elevators. Who are they? Um, it's just psychedelic rock. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Google it, bitch. Yeah, just Google it. What am I, your phone? Um... <laughs> um yeah, no, just all that kind of stuff. And I really liked Iggy Pop and stuff like that. So, like, um, oh, cool. like garage rock and just all that kind of stuff. But I also really liked, like, 80s goth stuff, like The Cure and... Love The Cure. Um, Joy Division, Echo and the Bunnymen, like, all that kind of stuff. I basically like anything that your parents would listen to growing up. I'm, like, dad rock and anything before early 90s. This is all really annoyingly credible so far. There must be some shit you listen to now and again. <laughs> I don't know, really. I don't really listen to... Are there any songs, at least? Like, I've always liked Katy Perry's California Girls, for example. <laughs> it's, very, it's very specific. You just sound like a any, robot like, trying to pass songs. like a human test. Like pop songs. I have always liked Katy Perry, <laughs> California Girls, for example. But I mean, like, that's that's not that's an embarrassing song, if you want to put it like that. I have no guilty pleasures, but that's a song where you'd be like, you no, know, most people would hate that song. But I like that song a lot. I mean, some of the shit I listen to... I like Life Shark. Oh. Sure. Nothing like that. I don't that. know what that is. Left Shark. It's a Katy Perry thing, isn't it? When she it had was a left when shark. she performed at the Super Bowl and the Left Shark couldn't dance. That's a sweet 2012 reference there, kids. <laughs> See, I like, I'm really an old person inside a 29-year-old. <laughs> I just, like, I don't even know what's going on in pop music. I don't keep up with it at all. I'm like, who's that now? Who is it? Yeah. I haven't seen that person. Who is it? And yeah, I used, to, I used to work in a shop and I remember something coming on and there was this woman and she must have been like my mother's age. And she's like, oh, you know, whoever it was. And I was like, I, blank face, don't know. You can't even remember who she was talking about now. No, I can't even remember. It was something. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know who that is. She was like, even I know that. Oh, hey. sorry. Sorry. I, mean, no, <laughs> I like that Sweet But Psycho song. That's from this Oh, show, I love that it? song. I hate, I hate the lyrics to that. I hate it. It's Why? really annoying. You mean it's like anti-feminist? Yeah, massively. 
<laughs> I get that, but it's I just like, like perpetuating that crap. I could rant about that song, and it irritates yeah, I thought irritates that. Me. <laughs> but then I just decided to enjoy it. Yeah, then it just it keeps coming on my shuffle when I'm running, and suddenly my my morals go out the door. <laughs> Just awful I thing to say. To that when I, was running. Running. I sort of identify with it, so I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> what do you think? You're sweet but psycho. Potentially. <laughs> I saw an interview Even with. Even if I'm uh, like anti-feminism myself here. Ava Max, isn't it? Um, I saw an interview with her where she was saying that um, we're going well off script here now. Where she was saying that it was supposed to be a feminist song because she was reclaiming what people used to say about her for her own use. But as, even though I do like the song, I, I don't know. Yeah. Felt a like, bit tenuous. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I don't know. That you know maybe she's me. the feminist we need. Yes. No. Definitely. Instantly mm-hmm. <laughs> crossed my arms. <laughs> <laughs> even as that came out of my mouth then. I like the song. I can't even convince myself. It's a pop song. Like, I know, I like 80s you know. pop songs though. I like like bit Human League or something like that. Of course. Um, bit I'm Human League. I just don't like modern ones. Fair, fair. Sorry. Fair. That's okay. I, I, I try and pick out something embarrassing, but I'm not even that embarrassed. By Just what embarrass I I'll catch you out. Go on. We'll catch you out. I'm Don't sure you worry. will at some point. I was listening to the new Lady Tron album yesterday, so that's outside our well, world. That's cool, though, isn't it? That's not. Is it cool? It was yeah. cool about 15 years ago. I don't know if it's cool now. Yeah, it's kind of like. That we are, it's true actually. It's kind of like people in their 40s listen to them because they think it's still relevant, but I think it is still relevant, so it's fine. Hooray! Hooray for Lady Tron. <laughs> Um, someone else asked this question. Okay. Without giving away any spoilers, because I'm sure there's people that haven't seen the Have new, we all seen episode. It? Have yet. you seen it? Nope. I'm behind on Game of Thrones. Alright. Don't spoil it. But we can um, still do this question. I'll ask the question then, because I honestly have no idea. I have watched Game of Thrones, but I haven't watched the new season. And I've kind of lost interest, so Oh Sorry. Game don't, of like Ramstein, <laughs> don't like Ramstein, don't like Ramstein. God, um, you what? don't like pop music. Sorry, oh my god, I prefer Vikings to Game of Thrones. It's way better. Oh, um, what band slash individual from the metal world would you choose to represent each house from Game of Thrones? Thanks, Matthew Bell. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember all of them. I've written down Stark, Lannister, Tully, Greyjoy. Targaryen and Baratheon. Let's, just go, let's go through those. We can okay. alternate between our choices. So Stark, I was trying to think of someone properly northern, um, and I could only think of Kronos, which I didn't think <laughs> quite fit the bill. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to settle a bit further down uh, the United Kingdom, um, and I ended up going for Rob Halford, just because he's noble, he's badass. You want you you'd you know stand behind him in a if he had a cause to rally behind. I trust him to lead us into battle. Um, he's an absolute lad. So, yeah, that's as far as I got for that. He's a bit of a lad. And, he looked, and he'd look cool in, like, battle armour, I think, because he always wears big so, leather and studs. For Stark, like. I went for Nick Holmes from Paradise Lost, just because I felt oh, like... yeah. I felt like somebody, somebody had to be it who was Northern. And, you know, obviously their music is very sort of... Wintery feeling. That's a really (laughs) good shout. Really good shout. So I was just like, it has to be someone from that kind of scene. Okay. So I picked him. I think it'd be be really good. Are you doing anything? I don't even know. I couldn't even think. I feel like Stark, I don't know, someone, yeah, someone northern or someone slightly Nordic, I guess. Well, my other thought was. Snow. 
Catatonia just because they've got the album The Line of Deathless A Line of Deathless Kings and it reminded me of the crypt in Winterfell in mm. the um, crypt fair enough <laughs> um, who else should we get right Lannister so oh, I've got a good one I've got a caveat here at no point are we getting involved in any of the incest stuff and making any <laughs> any accusations or comparisons on that front that is not what, that is not relevant to this conversation um, so Lannister I was thinking intelligent meticulous uh, always hatching some kind of plan not always totally likeable and fucking loaded so I went for Gene Simmons <laughs> The only problem is he's not blonde. I was like, oh, that's so someone blonde. That. But I think no, probably not because the two too what, much of a party animal. Um, I was thinking Vince Neil then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Vince Neil. Yeah, I don't think he's intelligent I, enough. Sorry. Yeah, he's I don't know if he's not, got. He's quite. Uh, he I, I wouldn't trust him to that manage a. Really horrible a, uh, thing to say. It's true. No, it's I wouldn't true. trust Vince Neil to manage a military campaign. Yeah, I feel like he would fall apart. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's the thing. Like, I'm not sure it's his wheelhouse. Yeah. I feel like he's more about. He probably drinks as well. Actually, the party. I don't think he probably does drink now. So. I think he's more about the party than the. <gasps> Maybe David Lee Roth. Yeah. <laughs> Red, I'm thinking red as well. Don't red colours. At the, at the, like, oh god. At the Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> um, yeah, go on. I'm going to do, as Cersei, Courtney Love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's intelligent. She's People have underestimated her in the past. People love to hate her in the rock scene. Yeah. That's true. And she... She's blonde. Often kind yeah. of knows... She, well, she often kind of knows what she's doing, even though you think she doesn't know what she's doing. And... I think she would be a good manoeuvrer. Yeah. Mm. I think that's that's really good. Good. Um, that's a good one. All right, Tully. Uh, I picked David Draymond because he likes fish. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's I so remind us who Tully is because this is confusing. This is Caitlin so, Stark. Okay, Caitlin else, Tully. Who else was in her family? So the Blackfish. And um, you know when they all... When Rob Stark goes off to the Riverlands to do all that stuff, that's how Stark. Yeah. Mm, it's just I a fish. Know. I mean, it's. Yeah, I'll go with David Draymond too, because we know he likes fish. He likes fish. He uh, which you can read more about in the uh, the new issue of Metal Hammer, which is out right now, by the way, because we get your questions to David Draymond. One person asked if people come off and make monkey noises at him in the street. It's really good. <laughs> and he answered. Uh, right. Greyjoy, I've just got Chris Kale from Five Finger Death Pines because he just oh looks like he gosh, should. That's he just looks like someone that actually should have a squid on his. That picture. is so good. Well, so. Greyjoy, I was thinking obviously it's the Iron Islands, right? And yeah. They, the, they're sort of ocean people. That's yes. the kind of thing. Mm. Like they're guardians of the ocean. So my first thought was Ailstorm. Oh, but then, but then God. They're, not, they're not serious enough. No, like, they're definitely like very not. hardy people that take it very seriously. Their initiation ritual for their leader is like push you in the water and you have to survive and I thought Ailstorm might not because I don't know it's a bit silly isn't it <laughs> you made the way you put that made it sound really like like 10 year olds just being dicks to each other just push him in the water he has to survive that's what, that's what they do though <laughs> yeah but they drown them they get reborn <laughs> they just shove him in a puddle they shove him in a puddle a big puddle called the sea so then after that <laughs> after that I went for Mastodon because obviously they've been in Game of Thrones as White Walkers but I thought they'd be you know they've written um Blood and Thunder, mm-hmm. and they have that vague association with the sea, and they're all very bearded and hardy looking, and I think they'd be able to survive the harsh conditions 
that you have to go through on the islands. See, so I've got quite hardy ones. I've got Mastodon for Baratheon because they're all beardy mm. and they look like Baratheons, and they had a stag on an album once. So, uh, the hunter. No. Uh, oh God! This has completely thrown me. It's the hunter. No, the hunter is the cow. Is it a cow? No, it's probably not. Is it? I thought it was um, a stag because that's the whole point of that's like what you hunt, isn't it? You don't hunt cows. Yeah, it's that woodcut. Yeah, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm oh, thinking right. of. Oh God! What is it? Blood Mountain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of. Um, I guess it's. I guess it is it. Leviathan. When I was thinking of the ocean. I look more like a cow than a stag to me. Like a demon. It's like a... No, it's like a thing that you would shoot. A hunt. So, Baratheon. I went for Robert Baratheon for Ozzy Osbourne. Baratheon. I can't even think who that is. Ozzy Osbourne. Um, Big beardy bloke who's the king right at the start and dies. Oh, yeah. Sorry for spoilers if you haven't got that far ahead yet. Because he's sort of like, you know, he's British. He's a bit sort of grumbly, but a good leader. And I thought he'd be quite a good Robert Baratheon. So, the the just to go back because I just had to look this up, the Mastodon. Uh, I thought I thought it was adapted from something else. Um, the Mastodon artwork for the Hunter features the wooden sculpture titled "Sad Demon Oath." So it's a sad demon. Okay. So there you go. Um, so yeah, Robert Baratheon, Ozzy Osbourne is my pick. Cool. Yeah, I've said Mastodon for that, uh, and I'll probably stick with that. Um, Targaryen. Targaryen I've got two for this mm, go on so one I just thought fire so Ramstein yeah that crossed my mind but I felt like they didn't really embody the Targaryen spirit right no there. I didn't and then I thought of I tried to think of a noble queen of metal who is in, who is also blonde and one very obvious answer came to mind so I put Doro oh really yeah that's interesting I put Sharon Denadel because of the whole like fantasy sort of aspect Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like Sharon is always, like you said, this kind of like fantasy metal singer, and she has a lot of costume changes during the show, and she's sort of quite regal and kind of in command of everything. I thought she'd be pretty cool. I actually thought of Doro for Terrell, not for any particular reason Terrell? apart from oh the flowers. So not no not in not age wise because Doro isn't the same age, but you know the Terrell. Elder states the matriarch. Woman. Yeah, the matriarch yeah. who guided um, the woman who nearly married Joffrey. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. So mm. I just thought, like, you want someone who's got loads of wisdom, and I thought Doro would be really good. That's Lee Dormy's Do- Do- nan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, like, Doro isn't in the same age category there at all. But in terms of wisdom, no. I was like, she would know. You would trust her to know what was up, and she would like keep your spirits up and that sort of thing. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, I'd back that. I'd back that. I didn't think of one pass Tyrell actually. So, fuck that, didn't I? So that's our that that be a weird battle. <laughs> Chris Kale just going to battle with Gene Simmons. <laughs> that would be pretty weird. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, Tell us your choices. For what? No, Facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer readers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. You looked, you looked right at me as you were saying it. I didn't realise you were talking to our wonderful listeners and readers. Yeah, exactly. To be honest, uh, mine was shit. So go on to the website that Elle just said and give us your ideas for who you would cast in the game of Metal Thrones. I'd love to see that so much. Oh, and also I put as a bonus thing, I know Mastodon were actually White Walkers, but I thought for White Walkers, Immortal. Because mm. they're all frostbitten and dead looking. Interesting. 
Uh, Alicia Moore says, My dad and I are obsessed with the best stage entrances in metal. So far, our number one is Hell's David Bower, on, uh, who has an entrance as a goat slash centaur on stilts. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Which is amazing. I've seen that in uh, at Bloodstock and it was mental. What is your most metal stage entrance? I'll just say the obvious one for me when we were just talking about David Draymond. He used to come out in the straight jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's yeah, very yeah. Like, iconic new metal era entrance. Yeah, that was legendary. Um, and again, a very obvious Yeah, with one. the Hannibal mask on. Uh, yeah, a very obvious one is Ramstein, which we talked about in the Ramstein issue where the members came out of a giant womb for Mutter. That was a very God, obvious yeah, I didn't even one. think of Ramstein. They had so many. Um... I know there'll be tons more, but my mind is a total blank. I can only think of those obvious examples. Mm. Have you got any? Yeah, I couldn't think. I could not think. I've seen so many, and I just... Like, I remember... Um, Rob Zombie coming out on an animatronic monster. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Like, the robot. Yeah. Yeah, that was wicked. I remember that. I've got quite a few. Um, Rob Halford on the bike for Painkiller. I mean, he's not necessarily at the start of the set, but I think they still count. Um, Manson on stilts for nobodies. Yeah, that was oh, like well, I, I thought that was so iconic, so cool. Um, Kiss anytime they do anything like raising platforms and <laughs> Paul Stanley getting introduced on a zip wire and fuck knows what else. Um, I think the first time I ever saw them, basically the entire stage seemed to be spinning about. It was just crazy. Um, Parkway with the Druids and the fire on the last tour was really cool coming through the crowd that was wicked but I think that was ripped off Ramstein but it was still good it's a good entrance though um, and it's not a person but the Spitfire on the last Iron Maiden tour was one of the most amazing entrances I've ever seen because <laughs> so it literally came through the back of the stage so those are my choices oh there's tons aren't there mm, it's hard to remember though not if you're cool like me <laughs> <laughs> I just know I've seen so many like stage things going on and I can't even think who was doing them or for non um, for non metal ones um, when I saw Lady Gaga on the Fame Monster tour uh, she had this massive like you know those really like 80s like almost industrial looking like multi-platform stages they yeah, had music videos yeah, and stuff yeah. she had that but there was this massive drape in front of it and she came on to Dance in the Dark and, uh, and it was backlit so you could just see her shadow like like jumping around all the different bits and then it all, um, this massive screen came down with all these effects on it, and then the, the thing dropped, and all this shit was kicking off. Dancers running on stage, that was very, very cool. I wasn't there, but the Limp Bizkit toilet thing. Oh, yeah, West. when they all came out of the toilet, yeah. Yeah. Are you looking it up? No. You can't look it up and then say, oh, I just remembered this thing that I wasn't there for. That definitely doesn't count. Get off your laptop. If Absolute you cheating. If you go on loudersound.com, there is a feature called The Ten Greatest Stage Entrances Ever. Excellent. Louder Sound's <laughs> our website, by the way, so we're not, we're not plugging someone else. Um, Damn it, I was trying to pass that one off. Absolutely fucking not. Um, oh, God. I'm just trying to think what else there is that was amazing. That's probably Shall, shall we read off this list? Nah. Um, I think I saw someone... Who was it that I saw rising out from the bottom of the stage? What was that? that was really cool. I can't remember who that was. Never mind. Someone do another question. Okay. <clears throat> Rob Naylor asks, with Iceland sending an industrial act this year and Hungary sending AWS last year, what British band would you choose to best represent us at Eurovision? I feel we answered this last year, but I've thought of a different one. Go on. Well, because the reason why I thought we answered it before is because the first band that came to mind is Skin Dread. Right. Because I think, I'm sure I've said that before, I but I just know. think... 
Uh, if it's Eurovision, you can't. I mean, I'm not saying that Skin Joe are a fucking brilliant band, but you don't just want to send like the quote unquote best band. Like we're not going to send the employee to surf to Eurovision. That's not going to do anyone any favors. You got to send stuff that's going to be fun. Um, I was going to say cheesy. I don't know if I call Skin Dread cheesy, but it's going to be a bit different, and it's going to make all those European countries go, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. So Skin Dread will be really cool. Also, kind of pains me to say it, but. I reckon if we sent Ailstorm to Eurovision, they'd do really well. <laughs> but there, been a, there's a band from Turkey where the outfits turned into the sails of a boat one time. Do you remember that? No. No. <laughs> it sounds like, rubbish. Da, 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 da. No. Oh, no, now that you've done that, I do remember it. Yeah. Thanks for that. No, I don't. It was like a sea shanty. Well, that, yeah, that's what I mean. It was great. But, yeah, I think it was like capes and they all just turned into this boat shape and they were sort of doing this head dance where they like nodded their heads forward. Well, Look it up on YouTube. Well, that's what I mean. Like, there's so much cheesy nonsense at Eurovision. I'm, I'm not thinking, I want to go in there and make a really credible statement of how yeah. brilliant the UK uh, metal scene is at the moment. I'm thinking, if you're, uh, like, if you're sitting there in Turkey or Sweden, et cetera, et cetera, and you're just watching Eurovision at home and you see something that's absolutely mental that's going to maybe make you remember it, make you laugh, and you might actually think it's quite good and all right as well, and that's what you need. And Ailstorm will definitely... I'm just thinking what will make people talk in the same way that Hatari are making us talk now. Ailstorm would have people talking and they probably end up doing all right, I reckon. Certainly better than the kind of namby pop we tend to send over there. We tend to send over there. We do though, don't we? It's always just like, we just seem to spend like the most... Yeah. Like someone that was in S Club 7 like 10 years ago or someone, do you know what I mean? Just, just really like, oh, this is the best we can do. Said something stupid instead. Yeah, yeah. That's I what agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. What would you send to Eurovision? I could not think of any. I was like, <laughs> this is becoming your catchphrase. <laughs> no, honestly, I was just like, but there's loads of bands that are great from Britain, like loads of metal bands, but none of them could do Eurovision. It's like they're too serious. They're too just yeah. like I couldn't think of anything that was like quirky and crazy and. We don't do cheesy tats quite as no. much as we probably should. I know who I would send. Go on. Bring me the horizon with Danny Filth. That's a really good idea. <laughs> Bring me the horizon. I've got melodies and people like them and they're accessible enough. And Danny Filth would provide the novelty for people because he'd come in on his corpse paint an outfit. So what, you just have him pop up and literally sing those two lines and then well, leave it? Well, it, just send him. it doesn't have to be a wonderful <laughs> life. They could do something especially for Eurovision. It could be that song that well, they still have. bring Danny Filth in? yeah. Wow. That song That's be, ambitious. I that like song it. would be good because it's an awesome song, but if, if there was a view that it was too heavy and it needed to be a bit more Europop, Jordan Fish could be all over that. He'd write something that was Euro-friendly, and then Danny Filth, obviously mates, could just come along in his corpse paint and outfit and just pop up and do a little campaign. Maybe we could make this a, a, a campaign for next year, Metal for Eurovision. Try and get a campaign going yes. to get a metal band at Eurovision 2020 that we're now in. Right, let's do probably it. Have you had it here first. Probably have to start the campaign now. We should do, yeah. We're going to have yeah. to ramp up for next year, so yeah. Someone get Elsa on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> or Danny Phil slash bring me the horizon. Yeah. Um, someone do another question. Okay, Mark White um, has asked, is there any side projects that have been better received than the members' main bands? I had one that came straight to mind. Go on. Avantasia. Oh, Tobias Summit. Yes. Um, now, I actually used to listen to quite a bit of that guy, and I still go back to some of those earlier albums 
we were just talking about daft metal actually and sometimes they go a bit too daft for me I like it when it's just more straight faced and epic but um, Avantasia headlined the forum here in London recently which is like two and a half thousand capacity venue uh, Ed Guy could not do that so mm. I know Avantasia gets a lot of his famous Euro metal mates in um, so that's been a big part of it but it definitely seems like Avantasia has become his so just to explain sorry Ed Guy European power metal band like pre- pretty successful they've been around the scene for years um, very much respected in that scene Tobias, their frontman, since went on to do Avantasia, which is kind of like this big operatic concept project where he gets in numerous faces from around the metal scene to be involved. I can't remember off the top of my head who's been in it over the years, but I think people from Nightwish have been in it and Halloween and various others. And yeah, I think Avantasia seems like a much bigger deal to people now than Ed Guy does. I don't know if that means that people think it's better, but it definitely seems to have... It's taken off more. Yeah, it definitely has, yeah. Definitely. What about... Stone Sour because of Slipknot. Yeah, that's what I thought of. What? Because personally, I prefer because Stone Sour. Corey was... What? <laughs> what? No, 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 I'm saying Slipknot are more successful because Slipknot could technically be seen as a side project because Corey was... Okay. Stone Sour. Ah. Yeah, yeah, technically. Yeah, technically. I'm, not trying, to argue. That is very I'm clever. not trying to argue that Stone Sour are... So Elle's made a good but, point and you've just thrown yourself under the bus by yes, being like, but, Stone Sour more yes, than Slipknot? Yes, Yes. Yes. What? I'm upset by multiple How? things you've said during this podcast. What's your justification? You like heavy metal, but like heavier stuff. I just, I wasn't really into a lot of new metal, and I didn't really get to they're not even new metal. They're barely yeah, new metal. Well, like, yeah, but on. they're kind of like, just, yeah, I just wasn't into How many it. new metal bands came out with a song like Eyeless? I just wasn't into them, really. But you like Stone Sour. I mean, I like Stone yeah, Sour, like but Stone it's Sour. very like, you know... Your dad might like Stone Sour more than Slipknot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just wasn't into Slipknot, really. I preferred Stone Sour. Wow. I mean, fair play, because that's one of those things people say, and I'd never believe it, but I guess that proves that... I believe it when I look into Alice's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Fair play. I just like the Come Whatever May album. No, I like Stone Sour. We put them on the cover a couple of years ago. Um... It's the first time we've had a proper Stone Sour cover and stuff, and I think they've done some wicked stuff. I've seen them live. I think they're really good live now. But better than Slipknot, my God. I'd like to see Slipknot live, but I wasn't really a fan. Like, you never when seen they Slipknot were... live? No, I've never seen them. You have not lived. I know. You get your chance this June. <laughs> I also would go with if anybody else wants to have Alice's back do tell us on the Facebook page by the yeah, way. Because I'm sure there's more of you out there over, we're going to sure annihilate her without words <laughs> so also the band Carnival from Australia progressive metal band mm-hmm. um, half well half I'm not sure actually I think it's half a guy let's say, from Carnival let's say four sixths <laughs> I need to look up the members now, but members of Carnival and another band called Tragic Delicate got together and formed this band called Birds of Tokyo. And they're an alternative rock band and they've been really successful in Australia in the charts. So although in our world, Carnival is like a big deal in certain circles, Birds of Tokyo have sort of cleaned up in Australia. So that's a bit of a sort of progressive metal niche Mm. one. That's interesting. I should probably look up the members so I can be more informed about this, but... Yeah, carnival. That's a really um, good point. Again, other examples uh, on the Facebook page. Come and come and give us yours because I'm sure there's loads out there we haven't thought of. It's quite an interesting idea. Porcupine. Um, if we're going into prog territory, <coughs> Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson. 
Porcupine Tree are more on the metal side of things, but Stephen Wilson's prog, actual prog, not progressive yeah, and he's exploits massive. have become really big. So From Hemel Hempstead as well, my town. So <laughs> we'll see him out in Aldi one day. You never know, do you? Never you? know, probably you not. You both reach for the same box of misshapen vegetables at the same time. <laughs> Suddenly the penny drops and I you're in the some, presence of a legend. I had some lovely, uh, <laughs> what they called, wonky strawberries the or something the other day. Very good. That sounds good. Uh, Jeremy Saffer, who is also someone that does some excellent photo stuff with Hammer. Um, how do you feel when a band with a secret identity gets their identity spoiled by someone other than themselves? So like Ghost, for example. Mm. Tobias kind of had to reveal himself because he was named in court papers, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a strong opinion on it. I kind no, of just think neither. if someone... Good. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're here for. Not strong opinions. It's obviously anything. a shame for the person if they've created <clears throat> and crafted a world and they're trying to keep it secret. But obviously, as a, a music fan, you're always a bit curious about what the reality is. So but Don't you think that ruins it a bit? Like... Well, it's, it's inevitable, isn't it? It's going to come out. I don't think anyone can keep identities of a band secret forever and ever and ever. It's literally never going to happen because we live in a super. What connected about that world. band that was that did the download thing? Whose name I've forgotten? Ice My Thesis. Yeah, who were they? I don't know, but ah. definitely industry people know that. But they didn't actually become a thing. Yeah, but we're, they? we're not they talking. Just, they just played and then fucked off again. They didn't True. have releases and do things. You know, if they were doing that now, I'm sure we'd know who they were. I don't know who Sleep Token are still, but again, they're sort of on their way up. So yeah, you can't. You, you can't know. get. You can only get so big, really. I guess. Um, I guess there's, at that <clears> point, <throat> people are curious about the identity, but maybe it's not a huge, huge deal. But if a band becomes arena big, people are going to be like, who are these people? Like, And then that will be so much harder to maintain. Fair, fair. I think as well, like when you look at bands like Slipknot, who, to be fair, <clears throat> I think are masked themselves more than anything, and then Ghost as well. When I see... When I, like, when I talk to Tobias, I just don't see Cardinal Kapir in him at all. Mm. It's crazy. Like I, you, I've talked to him and then watched him on stage just over an hour later... And the two things just can't cross over in my mind. It's I mean, so he's mad. Very, he's done so he's well with keeping up that focus, doesn't he? It, like mis- the mystery around the band. I think like when you speak <clears> to him <throat> in person, he's very focused, individual on all aspects of what he's doing. And then you see him on stage, and he's sort of this like you know slightly camp dance, music hall entertainer. And the two personalities are totally different. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. Um, and but it's but I mean, I just kind of say the same with Slipknot, and you would kind of say Corey Taylor's Corey Taylor, but when Corey Taylor's got the mask on, even though he sounds the same and he he kind of talks the same as he does um, when he's on stage with Stone Sour, a bit more aggressive and in character, of course. But I still don't feel like it's the same Corey Taylor that's just on Twitter and stuff. I still feel like it's Slipknot, mm. you know? Yeah, mm. I do. So there, go we there. We didn't really answer that question, did we? Well, I guess... No, I guess you did. I think, you know, it's going to happen. I guess it's how the band deals with it that's important. Yeah. You know, mystery is still possible if you do it in the right way, I think. I like mysteries. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Um, (laughs) We'll see you all next week. Oh, God, my voice is going. I'm just so excited and angry at Alice. Um, (laughs) We'll be back on the podcast next week. Uh, the latest issue is out right now. A Monomath are on the cover of Metal Hammer. It's metal as fuck. 
Um, I should say as well, uh, as well as the Monomar feature, which is great, really cool cover feature, I implore you go and read the Prodigy feature that Stephen Hill wrote because it's really, really good and it really gets to the heart of what a fantastic band they were or are um, and why Keith Flint's loss was felt so keenly by everyone in the metal scene. Um, so yeah, if you read anything this month, pick up the new issue of Hammer and read that Prodigy feature because it's fucking amazing. Uh, and you also get, if you are an Monomath freak, you get beer mats and you get a uh, patch if you pick it up in Tesco. They're both really cool. We've got them in the office. Um, and we'll be launching the Monomath bundles uh, very, very soon as well. And they are fucking excellent, if we do say so ourselves. So if you love a Monomath, and Lord knows why wouldn't you, uh, keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, we will see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.